Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 69. Today, I'll be talking about the murder of Rose Goggins, a 21-year-old mother who disappeared. My sources for today's episode are an episode of Killer Couples, Season 11, Episode 4, The Cinemaholic, FBI.gov, AL.com, TimesDaily.com, and LawrenceBergnow.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. They were a happily married couple who seemed to have everything they wanted. They were childhood sweethearts and they had been together for 30 years. They were very loving parents. But their peaceful lives would be upended when someone in their family suddenly goes missing. She went to class and never returned. We had no idea where she had gone or who she might be with. I knew something was wrong. As the investigation deepens, disturbing secrets are revealed. This family kind of had a history of of anger and abuse. Detectives must sort fact from fiction and pit family member against family member in order to uncover the truth. On January 16, 2010, two individuals showed up at the police department. Stephen and Sylvia Beersdorf wanted to file a missing persons report. They said their son's fiance and mother of their grandchild was missing. Rose Goggins had been missing now for two days. Rose and her son had been staying with them while Stephen Jr. was stationed at a National Guard base out of state. Rose had left her for her classes and she was studying to become an EMT and never came home. She's supposed to went to classes. Now uh, it's uh, over March for EMT classes. Okay. She left that evening, I think it's about 4.30 when I seen her going out to drive Stephen and Sylvia were known to the police. Their son, Stephen Jr., had been a deputy with the department. The sheriff, Rick Wilson, had also been friends with them. Stephen and Sylvia were actually from Winston County, Alabama, but they had moved to Tennessee and had been there for about three years and built a nice log home. Stephen Sr. was from a working lower-class family. Stephen was raised in a hostile environment. Stephen's dad murdered his spouse, Stephen's stepmom. Stephen bounced around from relative to relative, but by age 16, Stephen was on his own. Stephen then fell hard for Sylvia. They then eloped, but they didn't have jobs or money. Stephen also had a temper, and there were allegations that he was abusive to Sylvia. It seemed like the abuse stopped when Sylvia gave birth to Stephen Jr. Four years later, they had a second son named Joshua. Stephen and Sylvia doted on their kids, and they were a very close family. Stephen Jr. was very close to his dad. After graduation, Stephen Jr. went to Cleveland State and became a police officer. Stephen Jr. joined the Waynesboro Police Department, but it didn't last long before he ran into difficulties. There were often complaints about him, and the situation never improved no matter how many talks they had to have with him, and he was fired. Stephen Sr. and Sylvia were heartbroken for him. But shortly after, Stephen Jr. met Rose. They met at a local restaurant and started dating. In 1988, Rose was born in Georgia. She was sweet and outgoing and especially got along with her dad, but he passed away in a fire when she was nine. Rose's mom turned to drugs and wasn't very dependable, but Rose took care of herself. After high school, Rose went to Tennessee where she met Stephen Jr. Stephen Jr. introduced Rose to his parents, but Sylvia didn't approve. She didn't think anyone was good enough to date her son. They did eventually spend more time together, and it seemed as if Sylvia changed her mind about Rose. Rose talked highly of Sylvia. She'd go shopping with her, you know, they had a good relationship. She was accepted by the whole family. 
In May 2008, Stephen Jr. asked Rose to marry him. Stevie and Sylvia were excited, and Rose also announced that she was pregnant. They didn't have a lot of money, so they decided not to get married once Rose became pregnant. In February 2009, Aiden was born. Rose was a good mother, and Stephen Sr. and Sylvia loved being grandparents. Stephen Jr. then joined the Tennessee National Guard. Stephen Jr. learned that he would be deployed to the Middle East. In December 2009, Stephen Jr. was deployed to Camp Shelby in Mississippi. He would train until it was time to go to the Middle East. Stephen Jr. had Rose and Aiden move in with his parents. Rose signed up for EMT classes, and they last saw Rose when she was leaving for her classes on that Thursday. Stephen Jr. hadn't heard from her either. A Be on the Lookout, or BOLO as it's known, was put out for Rose. The police went to the college, Columbia State College, to search for her. Her professor said she had never shown up for class. Rose's car was searched for on the route that she took to school, but the police thought maybe she had an accident, but her car was not located. The police interviewed Rose's friends, and Rose's friends revealed something about Stephen Jr. They said that Stephen Jr. was abusive, physically and mentally. Stephen had some anger issues. He used to beat her. They always had a strained relationship. Rose's friends claim the abuse occurred during the months just prior to Stephen's deployment, when he and Rose were still living in their own apartment. According to Rose's friends, Stephen Jr. had grabbed Rose by the hair and hit her. Rose said she had found evidence that Stephen had cheated on her. She had confronted him, and that's when the abuse escalated. Rose had seen messages from other women on his cell phone. Rose felt as if she needed to get out of the relationship. Stephen Jr. denied the abuse, and Rose later said she didn't want to press any charges. The police reached out to officials at Camp Shelby. The commander said Rose hadn't come down to see Stephen. Stephen said he hadn't spoken to Rose in about a week. He did say he received a text message from her, and it said that she was going to be going to visit family in Georgia. However, Rose's family said she never went to visit them or even contacted that she would be visiting them. The police widened their search for Rose's vehicle, and on that Sunday morning, the police received a new tip. Rose's car may have been spotted about 50 miles away in McNary County, Tennessee, in the opposite direction she would have taken to go to her mom's home. The car was totally burnt. The license plate was completely burnt, too. The police were able to find the VIN number, and it was Rose's car. The police found two foot sets of footprints and tire tracks near the car. It looked like there was at least two sets of footprints. Some were small and some larger. It appeared like one set was from work boots and some were from sneakers. The investigation focused once again on Stephen Jr. Stephen received a temporary release from his unit after learning about Rose's car being found. The first thing he did was speak to the police, and Stephen seemed distraught. I can't put in my mind, you know, excuse my it is a little hard to hear, but Stephen Jr. said he has no idea why Rose would want to leave. Stephen Jr. said he last spoke to Rose the day after she had been with his parents. He did admit that they had a rocky relationship, but denied he was involved in her disappearance. Stephen's commander and people from his barracks said he had been in Mississippi, and it seemed like Stephen Jr. was not involved. The police reached out to the media and to the public for help, solving Rose's case. There were several possible sightings of Rose. One sighting in a town called Florence, Alabama, about 50 miles away, caught the police's attention. This was four days after Rose disappeared. One woman had met Rose and said it was possible she saw her. The woman's husband was also stationed at Camp Shelby. She spotted Rose at a shopping mall.
The police went to Florence to look at the mall surveillance footage. It looked like Rose, but the police saw the woman from a different angle and it wasn't Rose. The police then turned back to Stephen and Sylvia, the last people to have seen Rose. They said they hadn't seen her, but police noticed that their attitudes towards Rose had changed. They had blamed Rose and said that she wanted to run away. She bad about leaving the baby with us. Uh -huh. And just takes off, you know, and then she'll come back. Yeah. Steve said Rose left because she just couldn't handle the baby anymore. They said that Rose was having issues taking care of Aiden. Sylvia said Rose had left Aiden on the counter one day and that Sylvia had gotten upset because Aiden could have been hurt. Sylvia and Rose had gotten into a fight and there was a lot of tension in the household. Stephen and Sylvia had suspected that Rose was also cheating on Stephen Jr. Sylvia said Rose would leave for several days, leaving Aiden with them. They said that Rose had been seeing a man named Cody. Rose had actually dated him for a few years before Stephen Jr. Rose had said Cody was her first love. Their relationship had ended because Rose had moved, and she started dating Stephen Jr. a few weeks later. Rose and Cody remained friends, which made St Sylvia and Stephen Sr. very angry. The police looked into Cody and whether or not Rose had run away with him. Cody was interviewed, but Cody said he didn't have any commu communication with her. He had even gotten married to a new woman. The police had looked into whether Rose or not Rose had cheated or run away, but they couldn't find any evidence of that. She's so protective of that baby. She just loves that baby. And like I said, it's very unusual for her to even remotely want to be away from him for so long. The police also couldn't find any evidence that Rose was an unfit mother or that she would ever have even left Aiden. And they also said that the police needed to focus on Stephen and Sylvia. After Rose had accused Stephen Jr. of domestic violence, they turned on her. Rose hadn't wanted to live with Stephen and Sylvia due to the animosity, but Stephen Jr. pushed for it. Stephen and Sylvia had called CPS on Rose. They reported that Rose was abusive towards Aiden, but CPS couldn't find any evidence of neglect. A man who was incarcerated came forward with some information. He had worked for the Beersdorf family. The man, Scott Lawrence, was serving time for a parole violation. He told the police that he had been at the Beersdorf's a few months before Rose disappeared. He had been helping with the construction project, and he said that Stephen Sr. and Sylvia had been arguing about Rose in front of him. Sylvia told Stephen that she wanted Rose out of the picture. Scott said that he and Stephen Sr. had been drinking beer later that afternoon, when Stephen made him an offer. Stephen had offered him money to kidnap Rose. The day after this offer, Scott was arrested for his parole violation. Stephen Sr. and Sylvia were brought in for questioning. They were asked to take a voice stress test. They both agreed, but Stephen Sr. decided not to take it, and he got very angry. The police asked Stephen Sr. who killed Rose, and he said he did it. He said he choked her to death. The police asked Stephen to tell them what exactly happened. He said when Rose returned home from her classes, an argument broke out. They wanted to know where she was. They accused her of cheating on their son. Stephen said he had turned around to leave, but when Rose hit him in the head with a Gatorade bottle, Stephen Sr. had anger issues and he lost it. Stephen Sr. said he had driven the car to Clifton. He purchased two liters of Coke and filled the bottles with gasoline. He said he went on to Highway 114 Bridge towards Clifton and threw Rose's body into the Tennessee River. He said he burned the car and hitchhiked back home. Stephen Sr. said Sylvia wasn't involved. Sylvia did take the voice stress test but was nervous. She never answered the questions and Sylvia told the police that she knew she had failed. The police searched the river for Rose's body but there was no trace of her. Stephen Sr. was arrested for Rose's murder. Stephen's story didn't add up. 
Stephen had even made comments to other inmates in jail saying, no body, no murder. It's believed that Stephen Sr. had made up stories to protect Sylvia. The police knew that there were two people involved. The police also believed that Rose's body was somewhere on the Beersdorf property. Cadaver dogs were brought in and they hid on the same spot. One investigator found a piece of a book with a heart on it. It had been from an EMT study guide. A piece of flesh was eventually found in a burn pile on the property. The FBI brought in teams from Nashville and Memphis. The largest piece of Rose's body found was the size of a half a dollar. DNA confirmed that it was the remains of Rose Goggins. They had used Aiden to confirm the DNA. It was believed that Stephen and Sylvia's motive was what they were afraid that Rose would move and take Aiden with her. Stephen Sr. pled guilty to first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder and was sentenced to life in prison. Sylvia pled guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. Stephen Jr. was crushed about what his family did. Stephen had custody of their son, and Stephen Sr. also served as a staff sergeant for the U.S. Army. I'd love to know what you think. Do you think Stephen Sr. committed this crime on his own or that Sylvia was his accomplice? My book recommendation for this week is Innocence on Trial by Stephen Roth. An intense courtroom drama plays out when young Tommy Henderson takes the stand to provide crucial testimony in his teacher's sexual assault trial. Nothing could adequately prepare the boy for Lester Moby's meticulous cross-examination. The wily and experienced defense attorney never left a stone unturned and committed everything to win his last trial before retirement. The consequence of the jury's verdict has devastating and deadly implications for Tommy and his teacher as they both grapple with the aftermath of emotionally charged courtroom clash. Tommy tries to pick himself up, move on, and forget everything about Robert Hiller and that nasty trial. But his mind, evolution's magnum opus, has other plans and shaking those haunting memories is the greatest challenge of his life. The lessons learned from that nefarious courtroom experience prove invaluable when Tom Henderson, now an adult and attorney himself, desperately tries to save his son's life. The only question is how far is he willing to go? I enjoy reading a juicy courtroom drama or watching one on TV. This book follows the life of Tommy Henderson. It shows Tommy's life before, during, and after the case and verdict. Tommy has a lot of character change throughout the book, and I like that he wants to be a better father to his son because of what had happened. I give this book a 7 out of 10. I'd love to know what you think. What cases do you want me to cover? Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, buy me a coffee, and leave me a 5-star rating and review. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation, and remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.